everybody. Happy Sunday, Saturday, Monday, whatever day it is for you. <laughs> this is Mega Sheen. What's going on, everybody? Your bi-weekly podcast from a gay and geek black queer perspective. I'm Nick. I'm Victor. And Victor, what's been going on? How you living? How your mom and them? Well, <laughs> my mom, my mama is always calling to make sure that I am safe and staying away from those um, um, smart ass white folks, as she said, because she she's been watching the news. You know, on the news, she sees every day these folks, mostly white folks, are talking about their um, freedoms <laughs> being violated, and um, she's just been like. You know, I hope you ain't out here with no mask. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. I ain't trying to get sick. I ain't trying to get. Um, no, I don't have the time. I don't feel like being bothered. If I, you know, if I caught it, then I'll be like, well, let me just. It, it, it seems like it's when people get it, they get rid of it with the, with the 14 day, whatever days they, how long it takes when they get that stuff or whatever they're doing. But you know, I'm like, I don't have that type of time to be laying up here like that so um been doing that um the gym's open back up so i've been in there it's it's been nice because it's not a lot of people there but we all been you know cleaning the machines using all the stuff you're supposed to be using using the mask um so you know it's been good um just trying to you know figure out how everything's gonna be job wise you know that we are trying to figure out, you know, figure out students coming back and what have you. So we're good for now. You know, they talk about furloughs. I've never been through one, but it's, if it happens, it'll be temporary. So, you know, everybody's like a little bit on edge, but you know, uh -huh. what can you do? How about yourself? Um, well, you know, doing the job search thing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like a, it's like, you know, you want to go back to work, but the unemployment and the extra $600 is good. But you want to be productive, but nobody's really hot. Everybody's basically in some kind of limbo. So it's like, well, I can't be too mad at not finding a job, but fuck. You know, you don't want to be one of those people that just live off their unemployment forever. And I know it's going to turn around, and I keep hoping that it's going to turn around. But if people don't, you know, do what the fuck that they need to do as far as wear a fucking mask, like, that's the barest of minimums. Mm -hmm. It's just going to roll into what we have right now, all these states that were trying to open up and say, oh, uh... You can go to the bars now. Oh, you can go to the beach now. And then Ms. Rona was like, no, you can't. Get your ass back in that house. Yeah, true. And that's funny that you said it because the bars, how open. I know we uh, marched in the in the Pride March a couple of weeks ago. Um, the bars were open. And I was like, well, that, I was like, okay, that's cute. And all Steak Shack had full, everybody was there. And I'm like, I know y'all excited to come back, but this hoe is still going to pick up the food and go home. I'm like, I just don't, or if I go, I haven't even been out to eat, but even if I do that, it's like, I'm going to sit far away from whoever I need to sit away from. It's, it's not that deep. I'm like, stay, I mean, Shake Shack, it's not that deep, y'all. But anyway, they were all packed in there, you know, stuff has opened up. 
And it's funny to see some restaurants have moved outside <laughs> in a tent. Uh-huh. They have tents and stuff, and you know, they're out there. So as you were saying, stuff is coming around. Um, but you know, I still I'm still skeptical. <laughs> I'm hella skeptical. I'm not going I don't think I am going to a bar or a nightclub the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Because it's just not safe anymore. And these people that were like, oh, it kills me how white people, when they say, oh, I'm, I'm not doing this, that this virus is supposed to, you know, just step aside and let them do what they got to do. That's the epitome of white supremacy right there. Like, oh, I'm better than this virus or this virus is not going to get me. It's so egotistical. It's so... Uh, it's it's so fucking selfish. Yeah. Yeah, it and is. I can't, I can't. I can't with you. Yeah, it's really like interesting because it, so I think I saw it somewhere on Twitter where they were saying that um, how we went through four hundred years. You know, we've been through four hundred years of oppression and what have you, and white folks been under two months or three months of this, and they already. They couldn't handle it. And I'm like, that is kind of interesting because that's all you see. We just had an issue in our brand. We we have way too many Trader Joe's in this neighborhood, but we uh, just opened another one um, further down the street. And to be honest, I live I, within five miles. I have, there are three who <laughs> are within five miles of each other but they're in different parts like studio city toluca lake and this one is actually in north hollywood but we are basically the same space so just opened uh Drader joe's and this woman went crazy it was it was it went viral yesterday um, i think i saw it she just had a fit and i'm like it's really not that deep all you do is put the mask on Go get your stuff and leave. You ain't in there right. to hang out. I'm like, I go in, buy my little groceries, and you just leave. Why Why is that so hard? I'm like, you only in there for no, maybe no longer than 15 minutes. Uh-huh. You know what you're getting and whatever. You can go in or go in like some of us do. Sometimes if you get up early enough, go at 8 in the morning. Ain't nobody there. Go at 8. Go at the last hour. Get what you gotta get and take your ass home. But yeah, she went crazy, and I was like, "It's not that deep." Damn, white people. <laughs> and I think you, did you see the one where that man bum rushed up at Walmart, fell first. Mm-mm. Yeah, this white man first he tried to get in, they blocked him, and he fell. Then he they still try to go in with no mask. They are really blocking him. You know, tell him to get out. I'm like. They don't get paid enough for that shit. They, they this don't. is not the club. No, that's why they need to have somebody somebody paid just a box. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, no. And I'm like thinking, y'all don't even understand. It's really when it when you really boil it down, it's not that deep. And when you make that big a deal, it I don't know. But yeah, and then that Florida stuff was funny too, when they were showing those people at that town hall. Like uh, you know what? I'm I'm so through with this fucking stupidity yeah. from these most mostly Trump supporters. Yeah. Um, did you also see the uh, there was a, a video of this woman 
she had coughed. She had coughed on somebody. I know there was another video of this woman coughing on a child. Mm-hmm. Then there was this other woman. She had coughed on this woman in like a pier one or something. Mm-hmm. I want to tell anybody who was listening to dog walk the shit out of people who do that. Don't be, oh, just re- uh, recording. Knock that motherfucking heads off. <laughs> because I told, I told my partner, I said, look, I am not the one, the second, or the third with these racist-ass people out here. I am not some person who's not going to do anything. If you, wanna, uh, you want some action, we can have some action. And I bet, I bet all my money that I'm going to win this one. The thing is, I look at it as, well, they threaten your life. I mean, they can exactly. Be- and you it's have an assault. To I think I, that was that one where that woman... Um, was insulting a Native American woman. She slept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. I was like, I understand. I mean, you know, I have to think twice about, you know, uh, people come up to think twice with stuff like that because you just never know how that will play out, especially when you get on the police. But uh, mm-hmm. I just feel like what we are seeing right now is. I want to say we're seeing kind of that, that turn now. We're seeing people act out, but we're also seeing where people are taking more of a, a different stance towards things. I really hope that plays out in the election. I really hope that plays out beyond the election um, to where we start holding people accountable for their racist, dangerous views. Um, and, you know, it's just really, it's really fascinating what this virus has kind of revealed about us. Um, as well as how we, some of us do think we are invincible, that we don't need to wear these masks and we don't need to do all that. But at the end of the day, you need to have some, some sense of yourself in your life and other people around you. That's why I'm just like, y'all need to think about it. it's other people around you. You may not like to wear a mask, but everybody, people around you are, you know, worried about their life. You could be endangering somebody. You need to think about that, Christians, that you are <laughs> that you're endangering people's lives acting like that. And when that one church or wherever in Arizona holiday, they got some air conditioning that can kill COVID, I was like, y'all need to go to hell. <laughs> now see, that's that should be they should be prosecuted. They should honestly be pro- fucking prosecuted. So it's going to show up with no mask. And it's really interesting because it's like, okay, I, you know, that's Trump's way. He don't want to wear a mask. I see Mike Pence wearing one now, but I was just seeing like how that's, if that's going to be the hill y'all die on, get ready because. Well, kindly omit flowers. And somebody said this is, and, and it's funny because my, my mom don't care. And she was like, well, maybe this is how God has set it up. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? To get some of these folks out of the way. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> but, you know, that's what she, that's what a lot of people think. They do think this is kind of that interesting reckoning of changing the tide. And I'm just like, well, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, it's, it's, it's something else. It's something else. Um, you know, they're trying to open up Disney and, no, they shut the, no, they, they walked that back. Um, yeah, Disney was like, nah. We ain't got because people have to understand there's gonna be somebody who's gonna try to sue. And I guess if I was like a Disney or had a business like that, I'm like, I'm not trying to be sued because that's we're walking into a lawsuit, but somebody will say, Oh, they didn't have the proper cautions, they didn't have all these things, and now I got it. 
So I'm just like, Lord. <laughs> I'm like, so this keep that clothes. We'll stay in the house, watch Netflix, go to the grocery store, do what we need to do, and just call it a day. Yeah, I know it's hard. I because I am ready to get up out of this house. Yeah. But okay. it is what it is. It is. <laughs> All right, well, let's get on into Aunt May's tea. There's been some things going on. Um, we'll start, you know, this is Pride Month, and we're near the end of it. It's been a very interesting Pride Month. It's nice to see that some of these parades are still happening or marches, but they're more marches or they're more focused on all Black Lives Matter. So that has been a blessing. Um, but Interesting thing happened a couple of weeks ago when Billboard magazine, the, they all of a sudden put Todrick Hall um, as kind of the spokesperson of Black Gay Lives and all that great stuff on the cover of their magazine. Um, that didn't come, that didn't really go well at all. Um, social media dragged that moment. Um, and I felt, when I saw it, I was like, Billboard, out of all the people, like Janae Monet is right there. Janae Monet is right there, the bi woman. There's Big Frida. There's so many other people they could have used. I'm surprised they didn't go to RuPaul, which, because that's, that would have been. <laughs> no, because. You know, we don't, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they had Todrick up there, and it was really hard for me to accept that because I'm thinking of, this is the same one who had a song about Thug and Thug Appeal, um, about how he likes that and that was how he identifies like, us, whatever he was trying to do. I'm also really looking at how he has not really played towards us in a way. So I don't know, did you see? <laughs> I saw the I saw the article when it came out. I didn't read it because you know, well, waste my my time. Yeah. He, Todrick is one of those to a lot of black people, a lot of, a lot of gay black people. He is one of those gay black men that associates himself with whiteness. Mm -hmm. Similarly to RuPaul, he's one of those black gays that will get on these apps and say, oh, is Black okay? Um, he's one of those Black gays that is... Do you remember that scene in Pose where Blanca was at that uh, that bar? Yeah. And that there was that other Black gay mm -hmm. there? Yeah. That's Todra Call. <laughs> I'm mad And I don't... Like you said, out of all the fucking people to ass there's big frida there's uh angelica ross there's a uh, dominic jackson there's a whole slew of lgbtq plus black people that they could have asked yet they go with todrick hall mm -hmm. todrick needs to be worried about all these uh people having these allegations and him not paying yeah he needs to be worried about that instead of worrying about, oh, now all of a sudden you want to be down with the niggas. Yeah. When it's in when it's in fashion. Yeah, when it's in fashion. Even RuPaul pulled that kind of pulled that mess with 
Black Lives, because really didn't directly say it, but had like the Queens talk about it. And I was like, well, that's not the same. And it's stuff like that that really bothers me because, you know, as any, if I was ever had a platform as either of those two, that would be the main thing that I will always uplift because it's the fact that there's too many of us who are talented out here, too many of us who would love that opportunity. And we don't get it because we don't shuck and jive for the white people enough. I'm, I don't believe you need to do that at all to get there. And I think if you do get there, you need to always remember the black people who are, who are there behind your back the entire time. I always think about like, if I ever got up there, there were black people who believed in me enough for me to be in that space. And so that's who I will cherish. And I feel like that's what we need to see is that. And Todrick is not there yet. Maybe in 20 years, <laughs> but hell RuPaul's not there. And so- I don't think ever, you know, there's always these black people, regardless of sexuality, that once they get that, um, that kind of, that success, that fame, Mm-hmm. that they align themselves with white supremacy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to use that as a, blank, a blanket statement. Um, and it, it's so, I'm going to say fascinating. It's just so peculiar. It's so odd how all of a sudden their viewpoint can change. Mm-hmm. It's about, and I, I'm just I'm just over this. I'm just over those coon ass niggas that now that they have their little success. Oh, me speaking about racial injustice might mess up the white man. You know, it's like those high yellow niggas that was in the house that oh, because y'all warming up Massa's bed, y'all think y'all about something. <laughs> That's what it is. It's just taking on a different context. Yeah, it's the money, and I and I. I mean, I see. I can see that for. I can see that mindset because they are working predominantly with white folks. White folks are controlling so many big parts of that. So I guess some of them believe that that they don't want to mess with their money. But I also believe that you have to kind of draw a line somewhere to be. At the end of the day, when all that is gone, you are still a black person. You will still be treated a certain way. You will still not get where you had. You still won't get the things you deserve. And I think that until they start speaking out on that, it's going to always be a big issue. And I think that's why we have, we have, we are now getting more outspoken um, black queer people to talk about this and talk about like, you know, how they are willing to take that risk. You know, I think about, um, he's not queer, but I think about, and his name just slipped my mind, John Bodega, um, how he, you know, he talked about like, hey, I'm out here fighting for black lives and this could cost me my career, but I don't care. I would love to see more of that within our own, you know, to be like, I'm fighting for us. I'm out here with us because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm us, I'm a part of this group. Uh, so yeah, again, to see, Billboard do that. And I think it was by a woman of color who wrote the article or a person of color who wrote the article. Um, We just have to do better because again, that was dragged for an entire weekend. (laughs) And I, 
there was a small part of me that felt bad for Todrick, but another part of me felt like, but you should have known that was going to happen. You uh-huh. Just because you need to know. I think any good person, celebrity or whatever needs to know where they're, where they are in the whole big scheme of things. Um, and, you know, white gays they only take you so far before they're no longer there. So at the end of the day, it's us that will keep you there. We've kept so many people in the limelight uh, for many years. So again, when you treat us right, we treat you right. <laughs> he knew what he knew better. And it was only a matter of time before his usefulness would run out with black people. Yeah. Go stand by your best friend, Taylor Swift. Well, I will never get that video when the way that video, what was it? Look what you made me do or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. The way they were lined up. It felt like they were lined up by skin tone. It just, that picture will always be like that. It just looks like there's Miss Millie and her slave posse. Like they will always mm-hmm. look like that to me. It really will. Oh, Todrick. But let's let's move into some some games because apparently this big old game known as The Last of Us Two came out and everybody's been playing and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some controversy because there were people who were all upset about the sexuality of a particular character or something, and I was like, why can't this a why why is it always something with these folks? It's always something with these folks. So, yeah, The Last of Us uh, came out, The Last of Us 2 came out, I believe, what was it, last week. Either last week or the week before last. Either way, it's the best-selling PS4 game, the fastest-selling PS4 game of all time. And the main character, one of the main characters, Ellie, is queer. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not going to spoil it because, A, I'm not finished with the story, <laughs> but it is a, if you played the first one, then you know how mentally draining the story is. Mm. Um, it's a lot to deal with, especially now since we're dealing with a fucking pandemic. Uh, I want video game companies to, and other people to realize that you can have a queer character and it could be a hella successful game. Like, don't ever say that, oh, we can't have this kind of character on there because it won't sell. That is not an excuse anymore. Mm-hmm. So you need to get your, uh, I think you actually like it. I've heard a lot about it. Um, and it seems like very interesting. I, I think I need to get a better grip on, you know, what the story and whatever. But I know people have been really looking forward to it. Um, I had a student miss a meeting because of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I understand. <laughs> they, were like, they, they were like, I was so sorry. I got too caught up. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, you know, I, it's interesting to have these queer characters in games and I, it makes sense. Why not? If you could have talking dragons and if you can have, um, you know, elves and goblins and all types of stuff and zombies and everything else, Queer people, why not? <laughs> right. Oh my goodness, these folks. Um, oh, we can talk about it now. Justice League Apocalypse. You saw it. <sighs> you talking about stress. 
<laughs> and a dystopian ass feeling. That was a lot to deal with. And I don't mind like the whole um, macabre feeling that it had, but Jesus Christ. Yes. So for those who don't know, um, Justice League Apocalypse is the latest animated um, movie from, you know, DC Comics um, and Warner Brothers. Um, it is, I looked at it as, it's, a, it's that Days of Future Past slash Endgame, um, where they, Justice League take on Apocalypse and, uh, Apocalypse takes on Darkseid <laughs> and lose. And then I think they, they go- Badly. They go into years, I think, I think a, a few years afterwards or what have you. And then they try to stop, stop him again. Um, and it was just the way the characters were left. Um, like the big guns were just not really there at all. Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Batman, I mean, uh, they were and not. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but it was more of seeing some of these other characters shine through um, there was an interesting uh, scene where they found uh, Nightwing, and that was kind of sad. Um, but also having Raven and, and, and seeing Raven in, in, in a different light, <laughs> seeing Raven cuss, because if reading her for the past 20-something years, she just, she never had that tone, but to see what, you know, how she was. And it was a very fascinating story. It was Justice League Dark, actually, where they had more of, um, kind of, um, I don't know if his name, but you know, Zorana was there. Constantine Santa was there. Yeah, Constantine um, had the demon was there. So it was a lot of a mix of those particular groups and teams, um, but realizing how dangerous and powerful Darkseid is. And one thing that I, that I fear when it comes to the Justice League, uh, you know, Snyder Cut is we still not going to get a dark, a dark side that we deserve. But I feel like this movie gave us that dark side and gave us a, more of a, a glimpse of how powerful he is. I mean, I love to see a battle between dark side and Thanos to see who would be, who would come out on top with that. Uh -huh. The Like the first, the first 10 minutes of the movie, I'm just gonna say it, they get wiped and like, Aquaman gets cut in half. Uh, Martian Manhunter gets burned. Wonder Woman loses an arm. Um, Zatanna gets murdered. It's just brutal how bloody this whole movie is. Hell, even with the Teen Titans, oh lord, yeah, they just get slaughtered, and it's just like, oh my gosh. Like I like the like I said, I like the dark, but goddamn, some of this was a little bit rough to get through. Yeah. And it was it reminded me it did remind me of when I when I first read um Days of Future Past and how I was like, I you know, it was hard because you saw your favorite characters in the future die. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to I mean we kind of saw that in the movie. Um but again, it was like, wow, okay, I wasn't really ready for this. So, you know, if y'all have not seen this movie, you need to see it. It's 
I believe that should have been a live action if they could have done it right. Because um, it would have been interesting to watch or if they, you know, where they, they go back and change time or whatever they need to do, just, you know, if they want to do both of those things. But whew, it was really something else. And, you know, kudos to them for putting this together and kudos to um, that team making sure that they was going to really give us something uh, to um, to really talk about and think about because you just don't, ugh, you just don't get that every day. No, you really don't. So they did a really good job. And I want to give a shout out to James Tucker. He is uh, one of the producers of mostly all of these animated uh, movies. And so, you know, maybe we'll reach out to James because James is a fellow uh, Black person who is, who's been doing this for many years. So we'll love to maybe talk with him about how he's been able to do this. But wow. It, it's, it's, it was amazing. I enjoyed it. I, I actually tweeted him and said, "Sir, <laughs> how yeah, it, it was just it was just a lot to get through." And maybe um, I know Marvel's animation is not on the same level as DC. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see that level of brutality in an X Men animated. Film. Yeah. Which I wish they, you know, I, I think a lot of their cartoons or animation is mostly towards younger kids. Um, but hopefully, you know, as they continue to move through and, you know, they will start getting, you know, putting those out. I wonder, I mean, they kind of gave us a little bit of that with Planet Hulk. Um, but I would love to see more when it comes to that, with how they would. Any of those stories, they have plenty of stories to use. They can use the Mutant Massacre um, in the X-Men if they want to get graphic, because that was very graphic. Um, or they could go and you know redo Days of Future Past, where we do have, it's Kitty who goes back in the past um, to try to save everything. So I think that would it be- It made absolutely no sense in the movie why Wolverine would be the one to go back. <laughs> I, I think, I remember they said that because he would survive the, the experience I was like but if you're psychically going back it doesn't really matter I don't know and how how was Kitty helping him I would need to watch that part again because I it doesn't make sense to me yeah it should have been a telepath and the story was Rachel Summers who is the alternative daughter of Scott and Jean and so she was able to do it because she has top level she later became Phoenix. So she had the top level, you know, um, power, psychic powers to do it. Um, so I don't know how, I don't know how, but we, we, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see something like that coming from the Marvel world. Again, it's Disney, so you never know. But uh, again, kudos to DC for giving us Justice League Dark Apocalypse. Let's see. Um, well, yesterday, Beyonce let everybody know that she's coming back. Um, she has uh, a movie coming on DC Plus called Black is King. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be I guess, it may be a new album too. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's a lot of music, it's like a long 
music movie, not a musical, but it's one of her productions. So it's coming. She let us see a minute and a half of stuff um, yesterday. It looks pretty good. Have you? Did you get a chance to see it? I didn't. <sighs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I should. I'm not in a mind, I'm right mindset right now to watch anything Beyonce. Not to say that I don't like Beyonce because I don't want the hive to get all up in my ass. <laughs> oh, they've been but I know it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm really excited to see what this is all about. Um, and it's good to have something that reminds us of our blackness in a positive light. This is, it, it's like she knew like this is the time to drop this just because of everything that's been going on with George Floyd and Connor McDade and, you know, the trans women who have been murdered. Um, it's good to have something to remind us of, you know, that we are royalty. We are, you know, a mighty people. So this will be nice to see, you know, you know, even if it is not everything people say, it will still be nice to see. Right. I wonder how she got that deal. I guess just, be, yeah, I always, because she has a deal with Disney. I guess that came through with the whole uh, Lion King. Um, but then she also has the Netflix deal. <laughs> um, you know, she, I, I, I want to know how they, these meetings happen. Like, how do you, how do you get these type of sponsors, not sponsorships, but how do you get this type of, these deals? I guess these companies realize, like, hey, we can make tons of money using this and that. Uh, but, you know, in the midst of all that goodness, it's also, it will also be nice if some of these studios will start giving Black people in general these opportunities to create and, and, and to drive a lot of these um, visions and things that we need to see on television. Because it's still disheartening to know that Black folks are not in writing rooms or not really leading writing rooms are still not getting the deals they deserve. So it's great to have Beyonce doing this, but it would be nice if these studios would take that same energy towards Black creators as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But again, we, we'll be watching. I'm sure it's going to be a live, a, a live watch and everybody's going to be screaming and hollering. But it, it, I, you know, again, I'm excited for this. It's going to be fun. Um, I know her website has been putting up some stuff, so I'm gonna see what type of merch and things she has um, promoting this. Um, you still can't get none of her Adidas stuff. Well, actually somebody has come back up. Um, apparently when the stores were closing, uh, a lot of stores that were closing, um, they had some of her stuff, and so they've been putting it back out since they reopened. And like Nordstrom's and all that type of stuff. So if you got the money, <laughs> Go on to the store in your mask, pick up, you know, some shorts or whatever you can get. Because um, it's there at this point. Uh -huh. Oh, man. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Beyonce is coming back um, just in time to celebrate Blackness. Um, I also want to give a shout out to her when she did her speech. Um, she did, like, a, a speech about being great. Michelle Obama got people together to do kind of, a, you know, joyful piece about being black and something that Beyonce was really, was really, was really nice. She talked about how um, your queerness is beautiful. Your black queerness is beautiful. And that's a message I really think that we all need to hear because I think we forget that. I think we forget that 
we matter in the big scheme of things. We are creative people. We are beautiful people. And I think that was nice to hear her say that. And that big ass mane of her hair. <laughs> yes, yeah, she made sure she is showing, you know, the beauty of her hair because we all love big hair. And that was, that was big. That was big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. What else do we got on the tea table? Um... Let's see, I don't know if we have anything else. Um, I'm good over here. Yeah, I think we kind of hit everything that's been going on lately. Um, we, um, it's nice to see that, you know, there are, we have some Sharons coming out soon. You know, we have Karens, we got Sharons. Um, if y'all haven't looked, <laughs> I'll say check out the whole video of the villages, um, apparently, there's not anything queer about it, but it's just the fact that um, old white people are fighting other old white people over Trump. And Sharon Sandler is a new queen. She was the white woman who was cussing out folks about Trump, calling him all types of MFs and everything, threatening to beat up folks. So if y'all can just look at that video, that will brighten up your day. <laughs> and that's in Florida, of all places. Yes. Florida. Georgia, Texas, y'all. I hope y'all get it together. Y'all need to remember this when these governors are running again, because these people did not care. I love that they were showing what's his name, um, the census from Florida. They showed that video like months ago when he was just out there, just talking big from his chest about how everybody keeps saying that. Florida is gonna it's gonna go down and we're not gonna go down and then <laughs> biggest case he's a he is a bitch. He is a bitch in every fucking sense. And I want somebody honestly to lay hands on him. <laughs> he is the worst. He is the worst. And sadly, you know, Andrew Gullum was running against him and didn't win. And I'm kinda I don't know if we would have no, that scandal wouldn't have happened, probably, if he was in that role. Uh, but, no, I don't know about all that. It's I think Andrew was set up, but we're not going to go into conspiracy okay, theories. We know. But yeah, um, but yeah, it. I hope that goes to show people that when we have quali qualified, super quali quality type people running for these roles, y'all need to quit letting your whiteness get ahead of you and put people like this in you know leadership roles. This this has been that's what I was saying. This whole runner thing has been very eye opening because it's showing you who can lead and who cannot. Um, so, Lord, you know, I have friends in Florida, Georgia, and Texas, and I'm always worried about like what's going on because you know, even though you may be wearing a mask down there, you know, everybody else they're fighting to get that seat up in um, Applebee's. So. I'm not dying for Applebee's. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> and imagine Ruby getting to the imagine getting to the pearly gates and uh they read off how you die and other folks are just laughing at you because you wanted you wanted to run down to the chilies and get you your two for twenty <laughs> and you was just so upset that you couldn't uh you wanted to stay out and get be seen, and now all of a sudden you got uh, COVID nineteen. Now you die. I know. And you all can, because of a two for twenty. 
and you could have got that two for 20 to go. That's why I'm like, get it to go, go home and giggle on your patio or couch or whatever. Eat your um, lava cake and call it a day. Bitch, you can make mm-hmm. your own lava cake. That's I'm like, I'm to like, be honest. I know when the first few months I was like, well, shoot, I really want so-and-so. I can go make it myself. I was like, I'm going to go to the store and get right? it. Make it myself. I want catfish. I'm going to go make my own catfish. I know how to cook. That's why I'm just like, y'all. Anyway. It's silly. Imagine dying over Olive Garden. It just, how? Bennigan. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Ruby Tuesdays. Right. Uh, The Sizzler. Like, how? God. (laughs) Sizzler. Ooh, we could just go down the list. Just mm. it could be me. It could not be me. It could not be me either. Now, I mean, I understand if you need to go to, um, you know, oh Charlie's get those rolls, but you get those rolls to go. To to go. <laughs> to go. You ain't got to be there, getting on the the waiter or waitress nerves. You ain't got to do all that. Just get your food, go home, eat in the car. I saw somebody the other day. It wasn't funny, but it kind of was. They were literally eating in the car. Um, I was going, I went into the office and they were sitting there eating the car and they was like, oh, hey, I'm just having lunch. I'm like. <laughs> I, I guess, I saw, well, we went out um, this past week. We went to go, you know, pick up a, a takeout order. Uh, we went by this one restaurant and it was packed and it was packed with white folks. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. I know that's that's the funny part. Like when you see any of these clips, I mean, you see some some black folks in it too, and there's been some black folks doing some stuff. I'm like, if y'all don't get y'all ass out the pool, um, but when you do see a lot of this, it's always there. I'm like, okay, y'all, I know oppression is really hard for you, uh, but it's not that deep. I'm I I will still go get, you know, at the time I was still going over to Five Guys get myself to go. Come on home and eat or over here on the couch and watch somebody's t- TV show. Like, you know, I'm like, it's mm-hmm. it's not that deep. But if y'all gonna die over Olive Garden and Applebee's and Chili's and Togo's, then y'all mm-hmm. come on and do that. It's not some damn Panda Express. Oh, okay. I have it, it has cracked me up all over Los Angeles. There is always a line outside the door for some Panda Express. I'm like, I have never thought that Panda Express had y'all whipped like this because the taste goes away after two chews. So I don't know what y'all really getting out of it. But uh-huh. yeah, every place I, every time I drive by a Panda Express, there's a line. There's a line. I'm just like, this ain't sprinkles. It could not be me. <laughs> or all right, y'all. Well, that's all we have on our tea table, but we do have something interesting coming up in the next half. So be there or be square. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, welcome back to the show. We hope you all are enjoying this new episode of Mega Sheen. Remember, you can find us, find the podcast at SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Today, we have a very special guest with us today. He's been in publications such as The Hollywood Reporter and The Advocate. He's an actor, producer, producer with credits from The Breeding, 
and the Christopher Street web series. Currently, he has a new book entitled Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda. Please welcome to Megashine, Mr. Dwight Allen O'Neill. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. (laughs) No problem. Thank you for coming on the show. So let's go just jump right into it. Dwight, can you explain to our listeners your book, uh, Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda, and the inspiration behind it? Absolutely. So Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda is actually... um, it is a mirror of my podcast. I have a podcast where I talk about inspirational mistakes that have made me me. So each episode, either myself or my guest, talk about things that have happened within our lives that basically have just kind of made the person that you have before you today. So some things are funny, some things are more serious, and some things just make you want to be like, child, what the hell was you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So prior to working in the entertainment industry, you were a former fashion model and celebrity makeup artist. How did you make the transition to executive producer and actor? Okay, so how did I make the transition from modeling into mm-hmm. being an executive producer and acting? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Um, so I started my career... Um, so I started modeling in high school, and it was more so like just this... I don't want to say a hobby because for me it was like very serious, but I think for my parents it was like, oh, it's a hobby. He's going to New York with like a hobby. But um, ever since I was little, like I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas originally. So I like to say Little Rock, Arkansas, born and raised on a foreign house where I spent most of my days. Feeding horses, <laughs> paddling mules. I didn't play b-ball outside of my school. So um, when I was little, I was right, honestly lyrics. trying to figure out <laughs> how to get like out of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Like I just did not want to be there. But um, I ended up getting discovered when I was 15 and um, I started modeling and I would go back and forth to New York. But at an early age, I always wanted to work in entertainment as an actor. Um, Mm -hmm. I think executive producing came about when I actually went to the screening of Noah's Ark and the show was incredible. I was like, oh my God, this show is absolutely amazing, but I can't relate to any character on it. (laughs) So the advice that Rodney Chester gave me, who plays Alex, after when they had the question answered, he's like, child, do your own thing then. And what I did was I went out and I, you know, started producing my own work because I wanted to create a voice for young LGBTQ. And that voice was my first project by the name of Christopher Street. And I've been fortunate enough to work behind the scenes on some incredible projects. Um, my work has ended on my Bravo, Here TV, Beyond, and I've just been just fortunate to, you know, make those things happen. So, yeah. That's awesome. I do miss Noah's Ark, and I always felt it it's was... It's coming back next week. Yeah, it's coming back. Let's see. Oh. Now, is yeah, it going to be on TV? Because you know I ain't got no cable. I, I, I got to find a way to watch it. Yeah, I think it was... Um, well, they're going to do like an anniversary. Kind of an anniversary. Yeah, it's 15 years. It's going to be actually... Um, they're doing a a live like zoom call then they're showing like an episode and then like karamo brown is doing like the q a um afterwards but yeah it's supposed to be a really big deal so hopefully we can rally up enough lgbtq lgbtq people to really and beyond hell if you like the show you like the damn show right. and get people to support it so we can get, get it back on so that's the, that's that's the mission that's what we're trying to do <laughs> that would be great because i still want I feel like the second season, I want something, I want more. I felt like they had to do what they had to do within the time they were given, but I feel like the second season, we could get 
so much more. I feel like we still have some unloose pieces there. So, and yeah. that's totally. Like, I mean, we saw like season one. Mm-hmm. You know, Noah and Wade. You know, got together and blah blah blah. Season, and then they broke up. And season two was them trying to get back together, broken up. And then the movie, they got married. Okay, so now Noah and Wade. Do y'all want kids? Not want kids? Are you still together? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? What happens to that crazy guy that was stalking Alex and um and Trey? Like. I have questions and I need to know. And I'm just gonna say, perhaps you might, may or may not see Dwight Allen O'Neill's book, Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda, in the background. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that's good, that's good because I feel like they, because again, I feel like they need to tie in some stuff that we have from season two and stuff from the movie and give us- Totally. Give us another movie. Just give us another movie. We'll be fine with We that. need something. I'm give us a, we could do a series in a movie. We need it. <laughs> yeah, True. Netflix. We could have both. Yes, Netflix, you know you Y'all be green light. Y'all got the money. Yeah. <laughs> they know they got the money. Y'all can do this. They totally got right. the money. <laughs> hmm So in the chapter Should Have Been Shy, you talk about uh, a shy gene that you developed in elementary school. I know for me that I was like, Oh my gosh, that's what it was. Can you expand on that a little bit for some people that don't exactly understand that? Um, Oh my God, totally. So, um, shouts out to my mentor who's no longer with us. Um, I remember, you know, coming to New York and thinking like, oh, I'm shy. Like, I'm a shy person. And it took me hearing him saying like, Dwight, when you were born, the doctor did not say you have brown eyes, curly hair, 7.5 pounds and shy. No, he didn't say that. Shy is something that we create. So I think over the years, what happened is, as people, like, as this, like, defense mechanism and to protect ourselves, we say, I'm shy. When you're not shy, that's you actually closing off a part of you because you have a fear of rejection or you don't want to be a part of the conversation or it's just something that we've created. So early on, I did. I felt like I was a shy person. And when it came to selling myself or having to sell my brand or sell a company I work for or whatever, I just kind of felt like I was shy and I wasn't as forthcoming as I am now. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I say. And like, even when I do like, you know, empowerment workshops or public speaking engagements, like, or even my friends, I'm like, child, you're not shy. That's something you just saying. Like, (laughs) let's be real. You're not shy. You might be Dwight. That's your name, Dwight. But your name ain't shy. (laughs) So yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah, I can identify with that for the longest. I think... I didn't speak when I was in elementary school, like maybe kindergarten, first and second grade. I did not speak at all. And they were like, some of the teachers was like, well, maybe he doesn't, maybe he just doesn't talk at all. They put, tried to put me in like special needs oh, classes. Wow. Yeah, that it was that bad. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll say something. And it was just, <laughs> I think it was more so me because of the background and how I was raised of just reading the room. And I was, I felt like I was much more older than I was back then. I've always had like an old soul, a lot of people will say, (laughs) to me. Um, And it was just that getting comfortable with everybody. Because, you know, not everybody is your friend. Amen. (laughs) That should have been a chapter. Should have known that wasn't my friend. (laughs) <laughs> there, that's 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 like shady. A movie right there that is a movie that i think like, that's a movie you can make you know totally. mm-hmm. 
So uh, talking about your mentor, um, he definitely sounds like he was a prototype uh, to Pray Tale from Pose, yeah. which is one of my favorite shows. Uh, why do you think it's important for not just queer people, but black queer people to have mentors, especially now? Oh, God, I hope I don't get emotional. Um, I think it's very important that um, anyone, everyone has someone they can look up to. And I think for me, I always appreciated Nathan. Um, I definitely did. But even after writing my book, when my mom read it, and my mom and I are like super close. My mom's one of my best friends. And I felt that she knew everything about me. But when my mom read my book, she was like, I'm so happy you met Nathan. She said, I'm so happy Nathan was in your life because Nathan taught you how to be a gay man. And she said, that was something I couldn't do. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes like, I didn't know my son. She was like, there's so much value I didn't know. And I'm so grateful that you had him in your life to really help you. And Nathan was, he was the stage parent I never had. Um, Nathan gave me advice from relationships. Um, there's so much more he did for me than I even shared in the book. And losing him, I remember, I remember when I lost him, I'm very intuitive and I'm very spiritual. And around the time that he passed away, it was really crazy because um, my mother and my, my mother and my father are divorced. However, they both had like a surgery coming up around the same time. My mom had a surgery on like a Friday and my dad had a surgery on like a Monday and had to go home for it. And I remember feeling in my spirit that I was about to lose a parent, like, cause these surgeries both were serious. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I feel like one of my parents are not gonna make it through this. And the parent I lost was Nathan on that Sunday. And when I was home and I was just so devastated because I felt I was gonna lose a parent and I didn't realize it was my chosen parent that this was gonna happen to. And I just, I mean, I still try to, you know, live his legacy and I still feel his presence around me. But I think that all young people need someone that they can look up to. And unfortunately in the gay community, a lot of times that comes with strings attached. And I'm just so uh -huh. fortunate that I had someone that was in my life that really just wanted to see that I was great. And that just really wanted to see me be the best version of me. And that really just wanted to be a support system. And I, I myself hope that I can pay that forward one day. I really do hope that there's someone young that I can plant those seeds in as well to allow them to grow to be the best version of themselves. Right. Ooh. I wish I had a mentor. I know I didn't. I, it would have saved me a lot of heartache um, and a lot of wondering what's wrong with me, you know? Because mm -hmm. when you were in those teenage years, those when you're trying to figure out what's that thing that makes you different from somebody else and somebody calls you out on it, you know it's not, it, ugh, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. No, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was very fortunate. Um, I wish my mentor was still here with me. I mean, I really do. Like daily, I wish he was here. So, yeah. Yeah, it would be nice if we, especially when you think about Black queer people, if we had more mentors to help us understand what is really important um, in life and things to worry about, things to not worry about. I think it's nice to have that person who can guide you through that, using their experiences to make you a better person. I think it helps both people because it's really helping them grow as a person, helping you grow as a person. And, um, you know, you're very fortunate to have somebody who was there in your life like that. And I wish that we had more mentors getting these kids together these days. 
Child, Lord knows they need it. <laughs> the grown-ups need it, let alone the kids. <laughs> you know, yeah, and like you said, Victor, it works both ways. Like, I think we're so, especially in the gay community, we're so quick to disregard uh, the young, the young gays as if they don't know anything. Where versus they could teach the older gays something, and I guess. I guess I qualify as an older gay now since I've, I've jumped over the 30, 30 hurdle. Um, uh, we, we damn near old. <laughs> <laughs> These yes. knees say I'm 80, so. <laughs> so Vic, do you want to go ahead with the, the next question? Yeah, so I'm going to be a reader. <laughs> um, so... Now, in your book, now these stories are very personal. And um, did you find it cathartic to kind of work through these experiences, seeing them, you know, in black and white? Was that really helpful for you? It really was. Um, writing a book was very therapeutic. I, I like to describe it as each day that I was dedicated to going to write, it was like catching up with an old friend. And a lot of the things I've gone through, when I look back on them, it's like, was that even you, Dwight? Like... It doesn't even seem like me. So um, having the opportunity to kind of revisit these things were actually incredible in the healing process. And some things were definitely um, old wounds that I had dealt with a long time ago and I actually thought I was over. Um, some things were just me revisiting things and like, yeah, that happened. And then other things were like seriously, like just helping me get to the next step. Um, one example, I actually wrote about my friend um, Tawana who actually passed away very, very recently. And it allowed me to really kind of say farewell to her in a very positive way. Um, and it really allowed me to reflect on what an incredible friend she was and just helped me to the next step. Um, there were also moments where I talked about myself being a part of a very public scandal, which allowed me to really kind of revisit that and see, to honestly see how much of that I'm still dealing with and how much of that I'm actually willing to share with the world and how much how much the world needs to still like get behind people that are dealing with situations and when I say situations I'm referring to like hashtag me too for instance um mm -hmm. because I know for me I get I get really in my feelings when it comes to me too because I feel like the me too movement has gotten to the place that it is because it was been it's been white women that started that cause versus when I was a part of my own similar scandal it was like okay because I was a young black gay male was that because I didn't get the support from the world that was needed so um, I didn't realize how much of that I still was dealing with until I got like pen to paper and started writing so and the sad thing is many of us don't come out to talk about those things. And we don't have the resources or the support systems that really get us in a place where we can talk about that and deal with it properly. And, and that's something that just not yeah. goes after just men in general, but mostly just the queer men, because we already have so many sisters yeah. already hitting us for different angles. And then when that, do. when that happens to us, we it's just almost no outlet and nobody yeah. there to help us process that. So I think what your pieces will do in your story is basically get people to understand that you should talk about this. You should be able to deal with this. You should be able to 
you know, reach out and hopefully people are there to like help you get through it. Yeah, agreed. Um, I feel like um, I hope my book is a blueprint for people to want to live their authentic truth and be honest and to come forward when it comes to mistakes they've made or situations they've been a part of, they honestly can't control. So I hope the book does that. I feel like it's already done that a little bit, but I really think that in my heart, there, there's so much more that's going to come out because of it. So. That's good. That's good. I want to throw in another question about mistakes. And, it, you know, you talk about the mistakes you've made, which we all made mistakes. Um, but what has been really the biggest learning piece out of, out of all the mistakes you've made? What has been the biggest learning piece you've, you've taken from all of those, if that makes sense? It's more beautiful to get up from a mistake mm -hmm. to actually not make a mistake at all. Mm. I find that it's about the recovery and how you deal with things. Mm -hmm. You found out more about yourself when you're in a situation mm -hmm. um, that's not so positive than when everything's going perfect in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times we're so afraid of failing and we're so afraid of making mistakes, but you actually learn from it. And the learning actually showcases to the world when you're getting up from that mistake and that's the beauty and it honestly took me writing the book doing my podcast to really understand that wow like Dwight if that didn't happen you would not be the person that you are today and I love everything about myself it's been a long time that I can say that I grew up very insecure I grew up little kids called me fat faggot I grew up thinking my head was shade funny which it is I grew up thinking that you know I was not you know as masculine as somebody else so i'm not liked i'm not as cute as this person or that but like i can fully say at 36 years old i love everything about myself actually i'm gonna say 35 because since the pandemic happened i don't have wear and tear on my body so i'm not aging this year i'm not <laughs> i feel like i turned 36 in january but i have not been dropping it low i have not been out in these streets so technically i've not aged i've been in a pandemic and I've been physical distancing, so I'm 35 still. Next year, I'll be 36. But, but you know 35 what? years old. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to claim that, too. I'm going to claim that this year. Me, yeah. And it's okay. <laughs> I'm claim that this year doesn't matter, because we didn't get to really fully do anything well. We didn't. No. I haven't even left my, I haven't even went on a vacation. The only trip I've gone on this year is Dallas for a business trip. Other than that, my butt has been at my house locked up. Like, I am not aging this year. There is no wear and tear on this body. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Oh <laughs> I didn't think about it that way, but I'm sorry. I'm going to do a petition. I'm going to have people sign the petition, enjoy on. We are not aging this year. We, we repeat our age. <laughs> Come on, change.org. <laughs> Shoot, where was that one? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was... Oof. November was <laughs> I was in Las Vegas for my birthday and child this high's a kite. Scorpio or Sagittarius? Oh definitely a Scorpio. Oh I'm running. Running for the <laughs> I I don't really know what they all mean. I just know people always get I, <laughs> I know when I when I say I'm an Aquarius, people say either that fits or they was like, oh, and I'm like, oh, I actually, you know what's so funny? I can get that from both of you guys. Um, I, I totally can. Yeah, I can totally sense that. In this, in this, in this short period of time of connecting, I get very Scorpio from you, and I can totally see Aquarius in you. So. Oh my god. Yeah, I, 
Victor, you know how I am when it comes to deadlines, when it comes to getting shit out. Yeah. You know how much of a control freak I am. That way, I'm more, I can be a control freak, but I'm very, I don't know if it's because I've been living here in, in Los Angeles for 13 years. I'm very like, okay, it's going to happen, and it'll happen when it's ready. Like, I'm always like, Hmm. We'll see how it That's goes. the wind. That's that air for you there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm like, I need that bit. I need that shit now. When I say now, I mean two hours ago. Right. I'm very much that person. Yeah. Now I'm I'm curious because I'm also writing a book. Um mine is more okay. of fantasy and all that stuff. But for those who are writing a book, especially when they're writing about themselves or doing memoirs or what have you, what was your process that was work that that really got you to finish it because everybody starts something but to finish something like this takes a lot of work so <laughs> what was no. your process and how did that process work for you i've been writing for closer to 10 years so i'm the wrong person to ask this question <laughs> i think honestly um, i've tried this was my like third or fourth time let's say let's say third let me let me give myself that this is my third time trying to write a book i won't say fourth but um and it honestly took the reason why i finally did it was because my podcast when i was going through like episodic content it was things i wanted to talk about in the podcast but i felt like needed more than just 20 to 30 minutes to discuss because my podcasts are like 30 minutes sometimes closer to an hour and it was just certain topics i felt like needed more details and I wanted to write them. And then also I was like, you know what? I started writing a book a few times before. I was able to actually repurpose that content. So it really helped me in doing this and like updating things and just having transitional moments or whatnot. But that's why I end up writing the book. And the other thing is I've done so many things. Like I wear many, many hats. Mm-hmm. Writing a book was probably the most effortlessly easy things I was able to accomplish. It just all fell into place like the words just began to come and then like the format just really made sense when I hired my editor it was like oh you like I like the way that you're taking this because I wanted my book to be something that no matter what chapter you open it stands alone and you can read it it might be something you want to read like with your girlfriends over a kiki at brunch or let's say before into bed you want to just read something I really want to make it that way but um yeah, my process was that way. Now, my next book, I'm sure it's going to be a lot more challenging because um, I, I like to reinvent the wheel every time I do something. So I'm sure I'll do something a little different. But with this particular book, it was fairly simple. I just honestly followed the format of my podcast. And that was sharing a different vignette every episode. So each chapter was just kind of different. Okay. That's cute. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about possibly if I ever do a memoir. And I have the title for it already. But if I ever do one, I'm going to have to really sit down and just map out the years and what will be yeah. actually interesting to talk about. But I like your, 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 your format of, you know, making sure that each of those chapters can stand on its own, regardless if it was in the book or not. So I, yeah, I, I literally got a poster board and like wrote out fun, because everyone's like my, everyone's always said your life's a movie, Dwight. Your life is a book. So, like, I had different stories of things that stood out in my mind. And I wrote them down, and I took, either I took from, like, things I wrote before I wrote it again. And I just did brainstorming with my closest friend circle. And, like, for instance, the chapter I talk about, you know, my, uh, should have kept my keys. 
was actually, you know, one of the funniest stories my friends think I have in the world, how I dropped off an ex at Bellevue Mental Institution because his ass is crazy as hell. And just like, <laughs> they were like, that has to be in the book. It just has to be in the book because everyone's been there. We wish we had a dropped our ex off at a mental institution. So some things just, you know, came from like, just people around me thinking the story was like really entertaining. And then some things were like, I really just want to put this out into the world. And I really want to either honor this person or I really want to allow myself to inspire someone if they're dealing with this. And that's where it came about. Okay. Hmm. And that chapter said, what you just described, I, I'm going to have to check that one out. That, that sounds like that's a lot happening. Oh, oh my God. Absolutely. Like, I remember, I still remember the morning that that happened. So um, it was around the time that I was actually engaged. And everyone's like, wait, why did you allow your ex to come to your house if you were engaged? <sighs> so I'm such a huge Girlfriends fan. Did you watch the show Girlfriends? Uh, Baby. We, <laughs> okay. We can do so a couple about that about that series. Uh-huh. So I'm the Tony Childs in my friend circle. <laughs> so, um, I, so remember when Tony got in, in, engaged to Todd, and she actually went to meet up with Greg to be like, I know this is devastating for you. Thank you for throwing her face. She was getting married. So... When I got engaged, it was all over social media. So I just, and my ex reached out. And it was like, ooh, this is the perfect opportunity, you know, to connect with him and let him know, like, I've moved on. Like, I'm living my best life, blah, blah, blah. So I invite this boy into my house. Um, and while there, he's opening up about, like, being depressed and all this other stuff. And he always has something going on in his life. He was a big pathological liar. So while there... He was going through this episode of where, like, oh, I want to end my life. And, and I take that very serious because I've, mm-hmm. I've lost people to suicide. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a hoax to try to sleep with me. Oh. And when I turned him down, he got upset. And I ended up going to bed and, like, locking my door. So he come to my room. I left him, like, in the other bedroom. And the next morning, I wake up. And this, this fool is sitting by my stove on the floor, like, crying. And I'm like, what, what's wrong with you? And I remember just because when we dated, he was always so dramatic and so extra. Mm-hmm. So, like, I ended up, like, reaching over him, making my tea in the morning, like, getting dressed, left him sitting there, went and got in the shower, getting ready. <laughs> um, and then finally, um, what happens is, um, I'm like, so what are you going to do? Because you're not sitting in my house all day and I have to work today. And so, um, he was like, well, can you give me a ride into the city? So, like, this is why I was living in Brooklyn. So, we get in my car, we're driving to the city, and as we're sitting there, um, uh, we're driving into the city. I'm listening to Beyonce's album, Lemonade, had just come out. And so we're driving to the city. And I remember listening to the words of Lemonade. And I'm just thinking, I'm in such a positive space into my life. Like, I can't even, like, Beyonce, your music doesn't connect to me right now. Because clearly, Jay-Z done put you through some stuff. And I'm not in this space. I felt so empowered. And this man is, like, going on and on about, like, how much he misses me. And, like, if we can't be together, he's going to hurt himself and all this stuff, whatever. So we get into Manhattan. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do it like we used to do. Let's go... He, I'm like, I'm going to actually take you somewhere else. And he was like, yeah, let's go have breakfast. Let's hang out for the day. I took his ass right to Bellevue Mental Institution. I pulled up right in front of the hospital and I said, you know what? You have been acting very emotionally unstable for the past 24 hours and I'm worried about you. I said, I actually don't work in mental health. I work in beauty. I work in film. I work in TV. And there's nothing I can do for you. But you know who can? Those people behind those double doors. So either you can go in there willingly or unwillingly. That is your option. And he was like, you're being shady. Like, you're just being a cunt and all these things. I'm like, no. Like, I'm trying to help you because clearly you need help. I'm worried about you. 
And I, I just felt so empowered for him to leave. And I remember like before he even came to visit, my best friend was so mad at me that I even was going to connect with this person. And, um, he was like, why are you letting him back into your life? Like it's a revolving door. And I'm like, it was one of those things where honestly, I just wanted him to know how happy I was, you know, beyond him, but it was empowering to let him go because our relationship was a living hell and he should be happy. I didn't put everything in the book. <laughs> I only put All some right. stuff. <laughs> but um, it was just an empowering moment. And I felt like other people have been in a situation where you've had an ex that honestly was not good for you, that took advantage of you, that hurt you. And they knew you were basically a, a, a rug that they could clean their feet on. And I want them to know that, you know what, take that power back, take their ass right to the mental institution and get them out of your life. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> Oh my goodness, he sound like, now I don't know if y'all watch the stories, but he sound like Sammy Brady, that whole, <laughs> I'm going to do this to myself if you don't stay with me, and oh my goodness. And he used to always do that, and never would do anything to himself, you know, and like, not to play with mental health or with people hurting themselves, because it's very real, mm -hmm. but it's like, he would find comfort in, in pretending, and and, and using that because he knew it would get a response out of me because he knew that I've lost people to that. And it was my way of kind of taking that power back, like, bye. And I have not talked to him since, like, since then. And, yeah. Good. Well, I hope he gets the help he needs because... I hope he's gotten it. I hope he went in and something happened, but I know he just got on my car and walked away, and I turned on Beyonce. I ain't sorry. Right, okay. <laughs> Antoinette Marie Child. Oh, I, mean, I was just going to ask I, you about. I know this is devastating for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about your. You said uh, you mentioned girlfriends uh, in the book, and I was going to ask you your favorite episode of Girlfriends. Oh my God, my favorite! Wow, it would have to be the wedding. It had to be Tony's wedding when her and Joan like made up when Joan still showed up. Um, it, it was a lot of moments. I, I don't know if I can pick a favorite episode. I have favorite lines, but that show was just so good. I need a girlfriend's yeah. movie. Like, yeah. can, can, I mean, they gave us a sample on Blackish where they did like the reunion, and it was that was cute. cute. That it was, was cute. cute, but it wasn't enough. It was not enough at all. It was not. Yeah, that teased us because we were like, okay, they all get along. They all also look great. Um, there's too many outlets out here. Again, Netflix, Prime, Amazon, somebody, somebody, just give us a two, they give us a three hour movie and I'll be fine with that. Or give us 10 episodes, <laughs> just, just 10 reps. Something. I know. I just, uh, it's, it's so many. That's one show that like, and they didn't even have like a real season finale. Yeah. Like, no. It just canceled. went away. It just got canceled and it was devastating. Yeah. And they do get along. Yeah, but um, and even at the end, I started liking Monica because I couldn't stand Monica at first. I was like, okay, Monica's going on me. Monica <laughs> was that girl. For, oh, she was that bitch for I a know. hot minute. But she gave us that line. She gave us that line about you get your resume together. I, I still use that line. I still use that <laughs> fucking line. I'm like, you better get your. You might want to get your resume together. <laughs> yeah, it's a few a few favorite episodes. I also like when um Joan 
um, was dating the celebrity in the red carpet episode, mm. and when the friends took her picture on the carpet, although she couldn't walk, <laughs> I love that episode. It's just I can't pick one. It's so many good ones. I like it when um, Tony and Maya first became friends when Joan had the fight, and like Maya both mm-hmm. were like doing those both. Like it's just I can't pick one. I just can't. <laughs> and Jennifer Lewis as uh, Tony's mom. It's got to be some of the best casting, like in TV, because baby, was she? What Jennifer can act her ass off in any damn thing. I don't care what anybody says. Jennifer she Lewis plays. is absolutely Black Hollywood royalty. If they ever did a Golden Girls reboot, she needs to be Blanche. I'm just saying. Um, mm-hmm. Even when on the Blackish episode, like I remember before it came out, this is how obsessed I went. I had already in my mind like wrote scenes out, and I was like, is there going to be a scene of like? her because you know that was tony's mom but now she's rainbow's like mother-in-law and i was like it must it's probably gonna be a scene where they're all together and tony and um jim lee jones gonna be like why your why your uh, mother-in-law mommy and my mama or something like that i was like Mm -hmm. how are they gonna like tie that in together like it's just jennifer is amazing loved her in dirty laundry love her love her jackie's back oh my Mm -hmm. god like just hollywood royalty who definitely has not gotten the praise and that she deserves. And I, I'm just looking forward to even more praise coming her way, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. I'll see. Now I'm going to have to watch The Girlfriends. I need to watch Jackie's Back again, because that... I don't think people even realize how funny Jackie's Back is. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really realize that, especially with, her, with Whoopi on there. Those moments with Whoopi was... Well, you know, Jackie Washington Day coming up in a couple of weeks now. That's true. That is true. I need to remember. You that. know, every Jackie Washington Day. <laughs> <Somebody> dies. <laughs> Wasn't Diane Carroll in that? Yeah, she was. Yes, was, she had, That was the best scene. She oh was yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna sue her for libel, honey. I'm gonna sue Diane Carroll for the ground. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the scene was um, Jackie was talking about how everybody stole from her. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody. She said, "Be author." And then she, <laughs> then she's um, Diane Carroll and everything. And then they cut to Diane. And she, don't forget, Lil Brandy. Yeah, Lil Brandy. Brandy. <laughs> 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 oh, oh man, love it. I might have to find that. Just I think it's on YouTube. I want to go find it. I think it is on YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, um, I had a friend. I actually moved to Miami for like a year and a half, and when I moved back. Um, as a welcome home gift, my friend threw me a Jackie's back party and they bought me like the DVD. We had like a whole like party, it was so cool. Oh, yeah, that's nice. And <laughs> it's a little brandy. We have any more questions for Dwight because this has been fun. I'm trying to go through it. Has I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We all like recording before I got here, like still. Oh, hell no, we was trying, we was looking at houses. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I was like, oh, they've been on 30 minutes without me. I'm so sorry, y'all. Mer- yeah, Mercury's in retrograde, Benny's in retrograde, and I think Neptune or something. It's crazy right now. Like, yeah, it's, it's a lot going on. We are getting jumped. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting fucking jumped. And there's supposed to be some big ass dust cloud coming from the Sahara. I'm like, oh. I really? Lord, I can't. Allegedly. I, you know what is this supposed to is this god's test like i'm like what is going on Mother nature was like y'all got days. to go y'all got to go we live in the last days i'm loving your shirt though racism little dick yes 
I love it. It came today. <laughs> see, I, I went to a, a Black Lives Matter a rally um, downtown in my city. And, I, you know, I was like, Where are you? You know, I, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so um, they were having a lot of the uh, LGBTQ plus uh, charities. They were benefiting the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, movement. So I was like, oh, let me find something to wear. And this came in. I was like, perfect. So I love it. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, so I think we just have a couple of more questions here. Um, okay. Given that June is Pride Month and Pride Month is what, three more days? Yeah. How have you celebrated, if anything? Oh, so um, I've celebrated Pride a few ways. So today I actually went to a Harlem Pride event, which was virtual. Um, I was able to, um, the organizer had a small gathering at his house, uh, which is why my phone was dead, I'm trying to get charged back. Uh, so I was there, we did something live. But beyond that, on my social media, I've actually highlighted a different author or a different book around LGBTQA plus, 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 plus um, on my social media platform. So I've highlighted like Elan Harris, um, James Earl Hardy, um, Nathan Seven Scott, Nathan James, um, James Baldwin, Langston Hughes, like variety of people. Uh, Robert Cro- um, Robin Crawford, like just on my platform, just across the board. So I feel like since this is the quietest pride in history and we're <laughs> alone, <laughs> why not read a book? Why not learn about ourselves? So I've been encouraging reading for the month of June. That's awesome. And I feel like every, <laughs> you're not black and gay if you have not read Elin Harris or even James Earl Hardy. I feel like you had to read, have read one of those books somewhere in your life, somewhere. You are preaching. Yes, I agree. <laughs> like, I love, I love, I love Elaine Harris. He's also from Arkansas as well. He's from Little Rock, um, Hall High graduate. Um, enjoy the Invisible Life. But I remember when I read B-Boy Blues, like, my story was more of a B-Boy Blues story. Like, I wasn't, uh, my story, I, in, I enjoyed Elaine Harris, but that wasn't the world I lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a world that I fantasized about. But um, B-Boy Blues, like when I was in college moving here, that was the type of man I attracted. I was very much a little bit. <laughs> so reading that, it was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And I remember when I launched my show, um, I almost died when I saw like James Earl Hardy like came to my screening and he was there. And um, he um, has been someone that's reached out to really support me in my career. Um, I was fortunate enough to even meet Elaine Harris at like Sizzle at a Pride event and was able to tell him like how incredible he is. But I just think that it's so many amazing gay authors out there. And um, why not spend the quietest Pride ever getting to know them, learning their stories? Um, even Big Frida had, I didn't know Big Frida had a book, but I discovered it this month. Um, Andre Leon Talley's book, all incredible stories. So I encourage yeah. people to read for the month of June and beyond. I mean, why not learn about our culture? Yeah, true. Very true. I definitely want to get that Andre Leon Talley book. Uh, I saw his, um, that documentary, the gospel according to Andre mm-hmm. what was it last month. And that was very, it was very interesting seeing a person like that get to the level of success that he did. Um, right. I love them. Um, And, you know, I love fashion. So hand in hand, they go together. It really does. (laughs) 
So because this is also a geek-centered podcast, is there anything that you geek about other than girlfriends? Ooh, what do I geek about other than girlfriends? Oh, my God. Like, you know what? It's probably a number of things, but in this moment, let me think. I guess binge-watching things. Oh, my God. I feel so corny right now. Um, <laughs> what do I geek about? Oh, my, What do I geek about? um wait what do i geek about um i would say fashion that's corny as hell um because it's like so like typical you know what i geek about Uh (laughs) wine wine all right yes wine i i am a wine i love wine. i'm a wine connoisseur whenever i can visit like wine country or like a wine tasting or buy new bottles of wine or try a new bottle of wine pairing wines with different foods like that's my thing um i try to be bougie as fuck when it comes to my wine so like i like to be on top of that (laughs) you prefer a red or a white it depends on the season. So right now um, we're going more into like summer warm months. I'm definitely about um, Chardonnay. Um, everyone asked me at one point, like, what's the one thing I'll do after the pandemic? I said, I want to go to a rooftop or outdoor eatery and have a nice cold glass of, of, of Chardonnay. And that finally happened last night. I'm so happy. I went out <laughs> for dinner. It was my first time for mm-hmm. dinner in March. And we went to this incredible Italian restaurant and I ordered a bottle of um, a Chardonnay. And I literally told my, my guest I was with, I was like, babe, like, just give me a moment. Like, I just need to savor this moment. I need to drink this yeah. wine outside without a mask on for a second and just take it in. And we ate our food, put our mask on and went home. <laughs> <laughs> I do love wine. I I can drink, honestly, a red throughout the, the year. It doesn't matter if it's hot or cold. Um, I I usually go for my Merlots. I like I love bitter, and I think that speaks more to my kind of personality, how sharp and bitter I am. You are uh, Scorpio. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> that is very true. Um, I could do a, a a white sometimes. I can do like a sparkling, um, like a sweeter wine, only like in small doses because that kind of gives me a headache. Yeah, it just depends. Like, I'll do reds in the in warmer months if I'm eating like lamb or like steak. Absolutely, mm-hmm. um, or a nice rosé. I do love a rosé. Um, I'm I'm not really. I used to like more of a moscato, sweeter wine. Um, not so much. Although I did have moscato today along with um, some booze. But um, yeah, I'm just yeah. I geek out about wine. I do. I'm a wino. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's better than, what, geeking out about, what, I don't even know, uh, other stuff. I don't, I don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure, and watch, watch when this interview ends. I'm like, oh, I could have said this or said that. But in this moment, yeah, wine. I'm going to say wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's other, I mean, I love, like, I mean, right now, you're so you're in my dressing room. So um, I live in New York, and my dream has always been to afford a home where I can have a second bedroom that can just turn into a closet. So um, I'm fortunate enough that I'm able to turn this room to a closet and it has its own personal bathroom. So like when I need to get away, like I come here and like just zen out. So like, mm-hmm. I, I love clothes, I love shoes, I love stuff like that. But like, 
I would trade any of that for a nice glass of Chardonnay, like for real. <laughs> so like it would definitely be either fashion or wine, but I just feel like the gay man fashion is just so like stereotypical. <laughs> but I mean fashion. I love fashion. I, I like personal style. I I love that shit. Um and I think like during this quarantine, like I don't know what a bug had crawled up my ass or something. I started buying shoes like they were going out of style. Uh, my partner, I told him I wanted like a poncho for uh, fall. I bought these cheetah Chelsea boots. I, like I know I'm gonna only gonna wear you like found once a or twice. Cheetah Chelsea boot. I have to yes. take pictures of these. Who are they? Macy <laughs> Madden. <laughs> Who are they? I think they're uh, Macy's brand, like Ink. Okay. The international um, concept. Ink is cute. Ink is cute. They Ink are really cute stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my sister, uh, my sister's birthday is coming up on July 8th and she's doing a, um, a tea party. Um, and our, and so I end up just buying like different hats. I bought like six hats this week, um, because <laughs> online, I don't know what they're going to look like. So I bought like just various hats and then a couple outfits and then shoes. So like I can shop like forever. I just honestly felt that was going to be very stereotypical. So I said wine, but, um, I do love clothes. Hell, I turned a second bedroom to a closet. <laughs> like when people want to come visit me from the South, they're like, can I stay with you? And I'm like, yeah, I only got a one bedroom. They're like, really? But when I saw on social media, like, what was this on? I'm like, this is not a bed. This is for me to lay on and read books and look at my clothes. Like, you mm-hmm. can't stay here. <laughs> so, I definitely love clothes. <laughs> I love them. Uh, so, our final question for you. Um, what do you want readers to take away from Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda? Honestly, I would love readers to either um, get to know me on a deeper level, um, if you already are familiar with my work or my brand, or if you're not familiar, I want you to get to know me. Um, I really want my book to allow people to get to know who I am. And I'm hoping that I can at least inspire you because I feel that so many times we don't have people that we can relate to or look up to or look at their life and be like, you know what? My life ain't pretty, ain't, ain't pretty bad. Honestly, ain't as bad as I thought it was. So I just want the book to really entertain people. And hopefully everyone that reads my books, when they close it, they can reflect on their own shoulda, coulda, woulda moments. So that's ultimately what I want. And I think that it's happened a few times, um, especially with people I know. They'll like text me, there should have could have moments and I crack up because it happens so frequently now that people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I read this chapter and I thought about when this happened in my life. So that's what I really hope happens from the book. Well, that's, I mean, inspiration is what we always want to give everybody. Um, we want to leave when we finally leave this earth. But um, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and where they can go and buy the book? Absolutely. So the book is on Amazon.com for the next three months. uh, Well, two months now exclusively. And then it'll be all over. I have a three-month deal with them. And you can also locate me at O'Neill Appeal. That's O-N-E-A-L. A, P as in Powell, P as in Paul, E-A-L. Ooh, listen to something actually coming out. O'Neill Appeal. <laughs> My website is O'NeillAppeal.com. If you ever want to find me, just Google O'Neill Appeal. Yep. Awesome. And do you have any uh, future projects that you can give us a sneak peek about or anything yes, like that? Yes, I do. I do, I do. Um, starting July 2nd, I am going to be one of the hosts on a new show called 
Gay Town Hall, which I'm excited about. Uh, basically, it's like, think the view, but we're all like remote with various, um, various opinions and the audience can actually chime into the debate, which is really awesome. Um, cool. It's a wide variety of people. Some of us are, you know, Democrats, some Republicans, some are, you know, into beauty, fashion, drag queens, um, lesbians, Trump supporters, all types of people. <laughs> um, and so in a debate, so that's happening. Also, I host a show Monday through Fridays at one o'clock on Big O, which is if Instagram and Zoom had a baby, it'd be an app called Big O Live. So I'm a host on there. And my show is called In the Closet with Dwight. And this is actually my set. I shoot it in my closet. And yeah, I'm working on a couple more film projects and even a documentary in the works. So a lot coming from oh. Yeah. All right for that. Well, you can find us all over social media at Megashine One. You can like, rate, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can find me at I am Nikki P09, Victor at Wonderman5. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. What are we, Megashine Pod over there? Yeah. I love I it. People forgetting. And you can uh, go to our website is of the sheen, no, part of the sheen. Keep on uh, forgetting that part of the sheen.com to look for episodes, read about us. Soon we'll have some uh, articles up there that are in the works. Um, is there anything else before we get up out of here, Victor? No. Um, oh, I forgot. I have a podcast too called Sugar yeah. Sugar. I guess I can relate with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a podcast well, named after my book. But yeah, you can check that out. Every Wednesday I do a new episode. So yeah, check that out too. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Dwight, I mean, thank you so much for coming on our show and telling us about your book, your life, get to see your closet, all these great things. Um, and I'm looking forward to see, you know, what else you got coming up around the bend. Um, it's funny because I'm Southern too. I did that. that was just a Southern thing to say. Um, but um, I think we are all, all a little bit Southern. I'm a Tennessean. Agreed. I like that stuff. But you know, again, Dwight, thank you so much. I mean, this is really good to have more Black queer people writing books and putting books out there, telling their stories because we don't have that much. And your stuff is a little bit different because it's a little upbeat. And we need upbeat stories about us as well. So We do right now. Yeah. That's my thing. We need upbeat things. Absolutely. Um, thank you for, for allowing me to be on here and for building this platform for our people as well. So cheers to you guys for having this incredible platform and actually promoting other men of color. I am so grateful. I'm so humbled to be in your presence. And I'm just proud of both of you, my brothers. Seriously, very proud of what you're doing. And this has been fun. Totally. Right. Lots of fun. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you so much for that. Um, I guess that's it for us. That is it. All right. Well, we'll see y'all soon. Happy Pride. <laughs> <laughs>